The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Ticking Stock with Kelly McMillan. If the name sounds like a business show to you, then you've got it all wrong. Kelly McMillan is the principal of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks and will talk about shooting for fun, competition, hunting, and self-defense. Now, here is your host, Kelly McMillan. Hi, welcome to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. I'm your host, and for the next hour, we're going to talk about uh, anything related to firearms. We've got some really exciting guests. Our first guest is is one of my favorite people, um, such a terrific guy. I've, I've had the uh, great fortune to have been on a, a hunt with him and spent time with him, and such a terrific guy. Um, and I know he probably doesn't like the fact that, that I refer to him as a, the modern-day uh, Hemingway, but it, he's one of the few guys that I know that has developed a passion for hunting, de- developed a skill for writing, and put those two things together and been able to do it for a lifetime. Uh, I'd like to welcome Craig Boddington to the show. Hey, Kelly. Thanks a million. Good to be here, and hey, thanks for the kind words. Thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, let's um, give the listeners a little taste of you know, how you got into the firearms industry and writing, and wh- where, what's your history? Oh, well, heavens, I, I knew I always wanted to write, Kelly. I just didn't know what I wanted to write about. Uh, but uh, Dad was a, a passionate bird hunter. He was not a big game hunter, but... I started hunting with my dad and my granddad when I was a, a little guy, and it just kind of kind of went on from there. I, I started uh, submitting freelance stories when I was in high school and then, then on through college. You know, a lot of my colleagues say with a straight face that they never had a story rejected. Hey, I built up a boxcar full of rejection notices before I sold my first one, but, uh, you know, after that it, it got a little bit easier. Uh, I went to the University of Kansas on a Navy scholarship and went into the Marine Corps from there. And so I did my, my five years active duty and, and then uh, got a great break and joined Peterson Publishing in Los Angeles shortly after I got off active duty. And, and uh, you know, it's kind of been a career since then. That was, uh, that was nearly 40 years ago. Well, thanks for your service. You know how I feel about uh, Marines and people who serve uh, in general. Uh, I, that really means a lot, and I think that almost immediately we probably met not too long after you started working for Petersons, and and I had heard about your history, and it, by that time we were already working with the Marine Corps, so it, it meant a lot to me. Well, and and listen, you you guys, your company has done an awful lot for the military and and for the Marines, and and your uh, your rifles are are still famous in Marine Corps circles. Well, thanks. I appreciate you saying that. Um, let's talk about you, though. Um, you started working for Peterson. I, I, I tell people that you and I, we grew up in this industry about the same time, um, pretty close to the same age, and I'm sure that we've seen the, the same changes in the industry over the years. Uh, let's talk about hunting. I know you and I hunted Cape Buffalo in, in Mozambique. Uh, I think at the time you told me that that was your 34th uh, Cape Buffalo hunt. Is that correct? Some somewhere in there. I've uh, th- I've got a number in mind, but I I don't really like to talk about numbers. But uh, that is my passion, and you know what? We had a great day in the Mozambique swamps. And as I remember, you did a little better job on your buffalo than I did with mine. Well, you know, I don't think that had anything to do with skill or expertise. I think it was just that my guy was tired. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we got two uh, good buffalo that day, and it was wonderful. But it, what it must have been 120 degrees out there that day. It was pretty tough, and for the time of year, it wasn't supposed to be as warm as we as it ended up being. But you know what? You don't think about that stuff when you've got a huge, you know, 40 inch 
Cape Buffalo in, in your sights and getting ready to pull the trigger, the last thing I thought about was how hot it was. No, and, and out of a herd of three or 400, that was a, that was a great day. Yeah, there were a couple of things that happened on that day that were, were kind of spectacular. Um, if you remember, uh, just before I was getting set up to take my shot, uh, a big bull jumped up out of the grass about 50 feet from us, took a couple of strides towards us, and then peeled off back to the herd. And the first thing that went through my mind is, hmm, I wonder why that didn't scare me. I guess it all happened so fast that that the, that the danger was gone before I recognized there was any danger, so... Well, yeah, and that, that we didn't know that bull was there. We were working the herd, and, you know, these herds all have satellite bulls that are, that are here and there, and this was probably a, an older bull that was bedded in that grass that we were going through, and we had no idea. Yeah, that, that, that could have been a whole different hunt. The second thing is, is that after you shot yours, um, and while we were watching the herd and, and kind of keeping an eye on where mine had gone down, the herd kind of uh, moseyed off a little bit, and we kind of lost track of yours. And he walked off about 50 yards into some really tall grass. And, well, we and saw kinda, that bull walk off, and, and we, we kind of had earmarked that, that that might be my bull, but, but we really didn't know, and, and because of the... Because of the the bright sunlight and the the deep shadow on on the on the bull, we we really couldn't tell, and so we didn't know, and we really didn't know until the herd moved off, and nothing was lagging behind, and unfortunately nothing was left down in its wake. We we really didn't know that that was my bull, but at that point we thought it probably was, and we knew where he'd gone into the tall grass. So we uh, fortunately we approached very very carefully and. He hadn't gone more than about 10 feet into that grass and lay down. So when we walked up, uh, as you remember, he, he jumped up. And, and uh, fortunately, we were ready, and uh, he wasn't up very long before he went back down. Yeah, that was exciting. Yeah, we didn't even get into the grass before he, you know, raised his head up and, and grunted a little bit. And uh, there were two really quick shots taken right there, and that was all that it took. So, um you know, I don't think anybody wants to get into a situation where their lives at danger during a hunt. But from time to time, you have to be very aware of what's going on around you. Uh, you could get into situations that can get out of control really quick. Well, you can, and you know, people like to write about the scary stuff. I, I really don't. I don't like to sensationalize things and. At the time we did our hunt, I'd, I'd done a lot of buffalo hunting, and honestly, I had never seen a genuine full-out buffalo charge. It just, you know, it does happen, but it hadn't happened to me. And, and by the way, when that happens, it's usually based on a mistake of some kind. But, uh, boy, in the, in the couple of years that, that passed... I actually saw four serious charges in a period of about 18 months, which had really never occurred before, but uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I don't know if you remember, but one of the hunters that was with us um, actually had shot a, a buffalo the, the night before and tracked it until it was too dark to be safe. So they went back to the last spot they were at in the morning. They saw him lying on the ground, assumed he was dead, started to approach him, and he jumped up and, and charged him. So we didn't get to see that, but it actually happened to one of the hunters that was hunting with us at the time. Uh, yeah, so that, that does that happen. You know, Bell, it's hard, hard to believe. That, that was the real deal. Exactly. Yeah, it was JC. So, you know, enough about that. Um, you've hunted all over the world. You've, you've got some, you must have some favorite hunts and some favorite trophies. Uh, just give us a little bit about, uh, you know, why you're so drawn to hunting that you can do it for 40 years and still have a passion for it. Well, I, uh, I can't explain why, except I think for some of us, it's, it's just in the DNA. That's, that's part of who I am. And I, I love it. I, I don't get I don't get tired of it. I have particular passions. Uh, as as we've talked, I'm crazy about buffalo. But uh, hey, I'm I'm a good old American deer hunter, and and so I think uh, uh, probably some of the most fun I have is uh, is hunting deer on on our place in Kansas. We've got I'm from there, and we have a little farm in southern Kansas now, and uh, 
uh, that's about as much fun as I have is uh, is uh, is deer season back home. And I think part of that, and, and really part of why I've been drawn to, to going so many places, is when I was a kid growing up in Kansas, we didn't have any deer. Uh, deer were declared extinct in Kansas in the 1920s, and there were none in the state at all until they started to filter in during World War II. So we didn't we didn't have a modern deer season until I was a teenager. So hunting deer was was not only forbidden fruit, but I mean that was a really big deal. Uh, we had to go. We could go east to Missouri, but we usually went west to Colorado or Wyoming for my first deer hunting. And so to be able to hunt, uh, hunt and of course Kansas has become a a fantastic deer hunting state, but that's all recent. That's all happened within within my lifetime, and and so to be able to hunt deer in Kansas is is just a huge thrill, and and I would rate that right up there with Cape Buffalo. Hey, Craig Zev here. How are you? Hey, Zev. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, I I know I met you at the Safari Club International. I think 2014. I was walking down the aisle and I saw just dozens of people around a booth and I wanted to know why and I walked over and, and there you were and uh, you shook my hand and got a picture with you and then I asked you what are some of the nicest uh, rifles that people take on hunts and I believe you walked me over to the Holland Holland booth where I got to pick up a, a couple hundred thousand dollar rifles so that was a fun yeah. time. So yeah. I don't have any of those. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I want to ask you what might be a strange question, but I've never gone, you know, big game hunting. And you talk about the thrill and about the DNA. Would you find hunting feral hogs in Texas with an AR something exciting as well? Uh, you know, absolutely, in a absolutely. Uh, we fortunately we don't yet have any feral hogs in Kansas. They uh, they're they're holding the line pretty well at the Oklahoma border, but we, I've lived uh, along the California Central Coast for oh ever since I left the office in L.A. in the in the early '90s, and so that's what we have out here. We've got decent deer hunting, and the tule elk are coming back, but we've got year-round hog hunting here. So, I mean, I I just love it. Uh, the the pigs are are good eating. Uh, it's a wonderful animal to start kids on because they, they taste good, they're exciting to hunt, and they're not cute and cuddly. Uh, and they're also very destructive. So we do, we do a lot of hog hunting here in, in Central California. And I, I have hunted them in Texas, and I've also hunted them in, in the Southeast. I mean, we have a feral hog problem in this country. The, uh, the numbers are up to about 9 million, they estimate, and, uh, Causing two billion dollars in agricultural damage every year, so the the proliferation of the feral hog is is really changing uh, America's hunting culture. They uh, now in Texas, as, as I'm sure you know, it's it, because they're trying to control them. It's actually perfectly legal to to uh, shoot them from helicopters. Now I, I've never done that, and I have no real desire to because that's that's really control work. That's that's not hunting, but. But on the ground, I, I just I love to hunt wild hogs, and, and uh, I won't say I do it as often as I possibly can, but, uh, boy, that's, that's a hunt that I enjoy. And, and the wild pork is actually better than domestic pork you can buy. Huh. And you feel as comfortable with a uh, piston or direct impingement semi-auto in the hunt as you do with a bolt gun. You're, you can go both ways with that. Well, I, yes, I absolutely can. Now... Uh, I think that that the two two three is uh, or five five six is a little bit on the light side for for hogs. They can be big and and they can be tough. And of course, if you can get close enough to where you can be sure of a, a headshot or a neck shot, it's fine. But you know, there there's other choices. The uh, uh, the six eight PPC is 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 perfectly adequate for for hogs at at reasonably close range. And then of course you can. You can go up to the uh, AR-10 action, vice the the uh, AR-15 action, and uh, use a use a 308, and and a 308 is a is an awesome hog gun. Great. Well, thank you for that. It sounds like uh, Kansas has, uh, at least in regards to these feral pigs, has a, a really tough immigration stance, right? <laughs> well, we we really do, uh, uh, and it, it's very interesting because when when I was a kid. 
there probably wasn't a single wild hog in the state of Oklahoma, but they've they've migrated up from Texas, and they they figure the Oklahoma population is eight hundred thousand or nine hundred thousand. So we're uh, we're sitting on the can. And my my farm is only fifteen miles from the Oklahoma border, so we're basically sitting there with a hostile army right on our borders, and uh, the. Uh, uh, this is handled by the U.S. Department of Agriculture, not the Department of uh, U.S. Department of Fish and Wildlife. But the uh, the two young guys from the Department of Agriculture are basically charged with trying to hold the line on the Kansas border, and they held a, a seminar for landowners uh, in our area oh about a year ago, eighteen months ago, and and really went through a, a really wonderful presentation on on what they're doing to try to hold that line at the Kansas border and and they're they're doing a fantastic job the the Kansas farmers don't want them the 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 land I'm sure that the hunters want them I mean we we had a couple of hogs shot less than 10 miles from my place and I thought that was 2 years ago I thought by now I would probably be seeing them at my deer feeders but it hasn't happened so the, these guys are are really doing an, an awesome job now purely as a hunter uh, I'd love to see them now and again, but but my neighbors are all are all serious uh, farmers and ranchers. They don't want them, and the state of Kansas doesn't want them, and so they're they really are doing a pretty good job of holding them at the border. I understand that a, a male hog can destroy about an acre per season um, if left unchecked. So, if you're a farmer, you can understand why the huge numbers of feral hogs in the southern states is just driving the farmers crazy well it it, it really is they're 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 very destructive uh and they're also extremely prolific of uh, 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 a female uh, a sow uh is able to breed before she's before she's one year old and under ideal conditions they can have uh, two and 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 uh, rarely even three litters per year and, and of course the litters are large the uh, infant mortality is is fairly high, but <clears throat> even so, you, it doesn't take just a few hogs uh, before you have exponential growth, and and that's why there's there's nearly nine million of them uh, here here in the United States right now, doing a lot of damage. We don't have any boars in Arizona, but every now and then we'll hear from the Arizona Game and Fish about a feral hog hunt that. Because they want to eradicate them as soon as they find out they're they're starting to to get to the numbers where it makes sense for them. Um, yeah, which they're, is they're about in Arizona. The only way to I mean, you're not really the right country for them because in, in most of it's just too arid. But but they they are established in New Mexico, and so I mean, I you, you probably got guys doing exactly the same in Arizona that are trying to hold the line and keep them out. Okay, well, we've dedicated way much to too much time for pigs. Um, let's talk about writing. That's uh, you. You said you had a passion for writing. You knew you wanted to write from the very early age. You just didn't know what you wanted to write about. Uh, writing has changed a little bit, as with the the advertising industry. You know, when I started working on marketing and advertising for uh, the stock company. The only advertising there was was in major, you know, publications like Guns and Ammo and Hunting and, you know, the Peterson uh, publications. Uh, today, our options are much broader and the digital advertising now gives you feedback that you just can't get out of print media. Absolutely. But as a writer, I'm, I'm curious... As a writer, does that give you more opportunities? Now, I know you you write for certain magazines, and I don't, I don't know how your contract works, but does the digital age give you more opportunity to get your stories uh, out there? Well, y- yes and no. I mean, uh, in, in our business, Kelly, I mean, look, reality is people aren't reading as much as they used to, and uh, attention spans... Seem seem to grow ever shorter. Uh, so in in general, the magazine industry is not nearly as strong as it was when when I was growing up, and and certainly it never will be again. But fortunately, in in our industry, the the special interest publications are are still relatively healthy and and relatively strong. I mean, Guns and Ammo is uh, I write for Guns and Ammo, and GNA is still a 
a powerhouse. I, I write for Peterson's Hunting, and that magazine's doing fine. So the, the Sports Afield is doing fine. So the, spe, the very special interest magazines, uh, and I think it's true in other industries as well, are, are really doing fine. But, but the Internet thing has, has really come on. And, and uh, you know, in order to stay relevant, you, you've got to take a multimedia approach today. I mean, I, I still write for the magazines, and I write books, and, and I hope there's still five or six people out there who are willing to read them. Uh, but I write for the for several different internet internet sites, and, and of course, the, all the magazines that I write for have associated uh, websites, and some of them use content from the magazine, and, and others use original content, and and most use a, a mixture of both. So the the internet writing is is uh, uh, it, it's an opportunity. Uh, and it, it really has to be done. It's, it's important to me. And likewise, outdoor television. I mean, that's, that's a media that, that didn't exist just 20 years ago, 25 years ago. And, and now that's a, a very strong thing. So, you know, yeah, I do television too. <laughs> well, you've done a, a little bit of everything. And I think probably you've had to, because if you had had to, um, devote your entire lifestyle based on what you could earn as a writer on the the articles that you got published in magazines you probably wouldn't have got to hunt nearly as much uh, i'm oh, guessing absolutely i mean you know the the special interest magazines are 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 certainly not not the highest paid industries and and uh, so i fortunately kelly regardless of what you say i don't write very well but i sure do write pretty fast and uh, I, I grind out, uh, oh, I, I still write anywhere from, oh, 8, 9, 10, 11, uh, either internet or magazine pieces every month, and usually try to work in a book chapter or two. So, you know, I, I'm the most non-mechanical person in the world. I, I can barely change a tire. Uh, putting a scope on a, on a rifle is probably the absolute height of my mechanical capabilities, but but I, I'm able to string words together at a relatively rapid rate. Well, I disagree with you 100%. I think you're a great writer. Uh, one of the things I know has helped to supplement your income is the books, and that's a great thing. And I know there are a lot of people out there that are listening that say, hey, you know, I may not have known that, that Craig Boddington, I saw him on TV, I didn't know he had books. Why don't you tell them how people can get to know you and your books a little bit better and where they can find them? Well, back to the internet. We, we've got a we've got a, a very uh, a fairly extensive website, and it's uh, real complicated. It's www.craigboddington.com, uh, and that's uh, uh, we we have our books there. Now, those are orders that come to me for for autographed copies. There's a line there where they can put, uh, you know, to my uh, to my best friend or to the greatest hunter I've ever known. And, and I do get that, which is fine. Uh, the customer's always right. But uh, uh, obviously my publisher, my, my primary book publisher remains Safari Press, and, and they have their own website, and they, they do bookstore distribution. I don't get involved in that. But uh, uh, our website uh, has a lot of cool stuff on it. We've got uh, our system of Craig Boddington endorsed outfitters now, and we've got a, a couple of other products uh, but but it mainly exists for uh, uh, sales of uh, autographed copies of my books. Talk about the uh, the endorsed outfitters. Well, uh, my my partner in this venture, Conrad Everts, and I and I kind of cooked this up. Really, uh, I I'm not the best idea guy. I, I wish I could take credit, but it's mostly mostly Conrad's uh, concept. And the thing is that you know for decades people have been asking me where should I go and who should I talk to and and so I've sent a, a lot of people to a lot of places but I'm not a salesman and don't want to be a salesman and I, I really don't want to be involved in the business of, of booking hunts I, I never have been I, I see that as a conflict of interest so the the endorsed outfitter system is uh, basically it's a membership and these are guys that I've hunted with and, and guys that I trust, and these are the guys that I've sent my friends to for, for years and years and years. And people can find that list on your website? 
Absolutely. Uh, you can actually, uh, it, it's, uh, pretty, uh, it's pretty sophisticated. You can actually uh, uh, check it by area. You can, you can check it by uh, species. You know, there's a listing of species. If you're interested in something, then you can click on that, and it'll give you the, uh, uh, the outfitters that we have in our program that, uh, that hunt for those animals, uh, likewise by area. Uh, or you can just simply uh, you can cruise by by uh, by the listing of outfitters and see where they are and and see where they hunt. Uh, now, I would never tell anyone that these are the only good outfitters in these areas for those animals. The uh, the, the the criteria for uh, uh, for our system is simply these are people that I know. Well, one of the things that I know for sure is that one of your favorite people, as well as one of your favorite hunts, is Mark Haldane and Zambezi Delta Outfitters. Uh, Absolutely. That's where we, that's where we hunted Cape Buffalo. Uh, I would not hesitate to go back for any number of uh, Plains game. Uh, I didn't get an opportunity to shoot a big uh, bush buck there, but they've got him. You took a really nice Nyala there, which is really one of the things that they're known for. My favorite yes. trophy out of that whole thing was the sable. So, well, yeah, got you a- took a beautiful, beautiful sable. I was with you when you did it, and that was that was exciting because we we could just barely see him through the grass. Uh, the grass was long at that time of year, and we had to get had to get fairly close. And I I thought that thing was going to bolt at any second. Well, yeah, I I consider myself lucky, but the most I was feeling the most lucky with was the fact that uh, through Gordy White, uh, when I told him about going with Haldane, uh, he said, hey, you want Craig Boddington to go with you? And I said, well, I'd love that. I said, well, how, how can we make that happen? He says, well, I'll go ask him. So he went and asked you, and you said yes, and, and that, that was probably the most exciting hunting situation I've ever been in, just just considering that I was going to hunt with Craig Boddington. That was just well, so cool. that was a lot of fun, Kelly. And, and you know, we had a group of great great people in camp that was you know i i've been back several times with mark and it's it's always good but uh I, that that was really one of the good ones just because the camp was so congenial with such good people and and as as i recall we were we were shooting some awfully good rifles thanks to you <laughs> well thanks for that yeah that was the nice thing about it everybody was shooting mcmillan ammo and uh, mcmillan rifles so That's i didn't right. have to worry about anybody making any excuses Ah, no, no, no. There were a couple of misses along the way, but it wasn't wasn't the fault of the rifle or the ammo. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 for sure. Well, I want to thank you for being on with us, Craig. We're just about out of time. Um, love spending time with you, whether it's in person or on the the radio. Uh, definitely want to have you back to spend some more time with us. Uh, good luck with your upcoming hunt. I, I understand you're leaving uh, tomorrow for Pakistan. I hope that uh, is everything you hope it'll be. Well, and that, you know, we're going to a relatively safe area, but that, that uh, you know, that's a part of the world where you have concerns. But uh, I'm going with good people, and uh, it should be, should be a lot of fun. Well, great. Let me know how it goes when you get back. I look forward to talking to you. Will do. It's good to be with you, Kelly, and any time. Thanks, Craig. Thank you. And uh, everybody stay with us. We've got a short break coming up, and we'll be right back with some more guests. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. For over 40 years, Macmillan USA has been at the leading edge of the gun stock industry. The company was born out of the desire to improve and perfect form, function, and precision with every one of their premium fiberglass stocks. From tactical to hunting to competitive shooting, Macmillan stocks are designed to dominate. Their signature three-way adjustable butt plates, adjustable cheek pieces, rail mounts, and adapters provide a versatile platform built on performance. Over 65 custom finishes are available, ranging from solid colors to camouflage. Check out the Macmillan website for hundreds of stocks available for immediate delivery. And for those wanting something more specialized, call the knowledgeable and friendly staff at Macmillan for a complete list of options at 877-365-6148 or visit MacmillanUSA.com. 
Again, that's 877-365-6148 or visit MacMillanUSA.com. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6. 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. You are listening to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Taking Stock. I'm your host. What a terrific interview with Craig Boddington. Sure love that guy. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it came across on how much I really think of him. And such an honorable and uh, good guy as well as great writer, Hunter. Just a, a real thrill to have him on the show. Uh, now we're going to have another thrill. I'm really excited to introduce our next guest. There's actually two of them. Um, PRS shooters extraordinaire, both uh, Tim and Regina, both very good uh, PRS shooters, and uh, uh, they happen to be sponsored by McMillan Fiberglass Stocks, as well as others, and we'll give them a chance to talk about that. I'd like to introduce Tim and Regina Milkovich. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for having us on. Hi, Kelly. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Really appreciate it. Um, you know, so... Uh, I want to tell you both thanks for your service. I know you're both in law enforcement. Uh, I really care about the first responders, and, and it means a lot to me uh, to have people who really care about the community and the, the people that they live with and care enough to put their lives on the line to do that. And, and I just wanted to, to know that right up front. Thank you. Uh, let's talk. Um, and we're here to talk about guns. Um, I'm sure that, that both of you kind of found your way into the firearms industry in, in different ways. Uh, Tim, you know, you're in law enforcement. Uh, did your love for firearms start before that? It did. It started uh, as I was a very young child living in the south suburbs of Chicago where you couldn't have guns. So what had happened would be an, an uncle would always buy myself and my brother little toy guns for Christmas, birthdays, and whatnot. And they would end up coming up missing here in a few weeks when a relative would go, you don't need to play at those things. And it, it just piques your curiosity. Every time you tell a kid no, they want to see it even more. <laughs> well, you must be a little bit younger than I am because it was okay for us to play with guns when I was growing up. Yeah. I don't think anybody had any misgivings, not even the the Democrats back in those days uh, with kids playing with toy guns, playing, you know, cowboys and Indians or whatever, cops and robbers, whatever else you played with them. Exactly. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was Chicago. I never lived there, so... Yeah, it was a little different. Um, I'm kind of glad to be in Arizona for the last 33 years. You know, it'd be nice if Chicago only had uh, toy guns right now with the people who have them. If we could, if we could exchange them all for toy guns, I think the the world would be better off. But uh, I think the the only other thing that we could do with the the situation in Chicago is if we armed all of the citizens so that they could at least protect themselves. That would, that would be an answer to some of the issues that they've got going on. Absolutely. So, um, you grew up, um, wanting to, to be around guns. When did you get out of Chicago or into a, an environment where you could actually have some? Well, I left the Chicago area in June of 81. When I graduated high school, I joined the Marine Corps and being a kid who's never been camping outside, never been hunting, Joining the Marine Corps Infantry was like a four-year camping trip with machine guns. It was kind of cool. 
that uh, that sounds like a really fun trip for a guy who loved guns his whole life and never got a chance to to play with them. I think a bunch of people are going to uh, join and enlist the Marine Corps, having heard you know <laughs> horror stories about what the first 80, 83 or eighty eight days are, and then the crucible. You just made it sound like a whole bunch of fun. Well, you know, <laughs> it it was tough. Um, but you know, you you get through. if there's something you want to do, just like anything in life, if it's something you want to do, you'll get through it. Um, it's the same thing when I went through the police academy at 41 years old. It's something that you want to do, you'll make it through it. You got to have the heart and the will to do it. Well, 41, that's uh, that's kind of late in life for law enforcement. It is. Um, so what what happened between the Marine Corps and and the time you were 41? Well, I still did a few years in the in the military as far as National Guard reserve time. Um, I got out of the military right after the first Desert Storm War back in '92. And then from there, I was in the firearms industry. I worked at uh, an indoor gun range. I worked at Dillon Precision Reloading Products for about 12 and a half years before I um, tested out for the police department. Everybody stay with us. We've got a short break coming up, and we'll be right back. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. For over 40 years, Macmillan USA has been at the leading edge of the gun stock industry. The company was born out of the desire to improve and perfect form, function, and precision with every one of their premium fiberglass stocks. From tactical to hunting to competitive shooting, Macmillan stocks are designed to dominate. Their signature three-way adjustable butt plates, adjustable cheek pieces, rail mounts, and adapters provide a versatile platform built on performance. Over 65 custom finishes are available, ranging from solid colors to camouflage. Check out the Macmillan website for hundreds of stocks available for immediate delivery. And for those wanting something more specialized, call the knowledgeable and friendly staff at Macmillan for a complete list of options at 877-365-6148 or visit MacmillanUSA.com. Again, that's 877-365-6148 or visit MacmillanUSA.com. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move oh, on. I just, and get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Now back to the show. Hi, thanks for hanging out with us. So let's go back. You 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 shot with your club. You you thought three hundred yards was a long ways, and um, you were impressed with the people that were were doing that, and that kind of got you interested in shooting yourself. It got me extremely interested. It took about 10 months for me to get a rifle up and running. And from then on, um, the first club match that I shot, I think I came in fourth or fifth. Um, Tim says fourth. And the next month we showed up and a bunch of the guys that had shot that match with me had all their gear, saw me and said, I'll just help out. I'll spot. How long ago was that? 2010. So in the better part of six years... Mm -hmm. You've gone from being excited about shooting because you saw someone shoot a long ways to winning the top female at the most recent uh, PRS uh, championships. Yes, sir. Okay. So how did that happen? I mean, that, that's a really fast climb for anybody, let alone for someone who had never shot before. 
Um, a lot of practice. Yeah. Yeah. I spent a lot of time with a 223 and a 308. Mm-hmm. And then for competitions, I shoot six millimeters. Um, laser beams. I like those. My preferred caliber is 6XC. I changed one year, didn't shoot very well that whole year. Couldn't get comfortable with the 6.5 Creedmoor. We sat down and said, well, what, what did we change from 2012 when I was 20th in the country to 2015 where I was about mid-pack? And it was all in the ammo. So I went back to 6XC, went back to the 115 um, And from then on, my scores were top 15. So every match that I shot. Awesome. Um, you, you're throwing a lot of calibers and stuff out there. Uh, explain to people who don't really know what PRS is. Um, what's the course of fire? I mean, what's it look like to a, a guy who's never seen it before? Some of it is has a little bit of F class to it. So there's probably 25 to 50 percent of the stages are prone, but and on small targets. So just like an F class where you're trying to get a five to ten inch ring, the targets are about that size sometimes bigger if they're bigger then we usually make you shoot off of something so they throw a little bit of three gun and tactical style stages in there and all the targets are steel and and you get a call on whether it's impact or not a majority are yeah there's some paper stages those ones move real real fast because they'll have a bunch of shooters on the line at one time but for the most part it's steel so tim were you responsible for getting her involved in shooting uh, I like to think I was, <laughs> you know, being, being that, you know, you're supposed to, your wife is supposed to be your best friend, which she is. I wanted her to enjoy, you know, being on the range with me. So that's, you know, give her the invites to all the other type of shooting I used to do. But being that she wasn't very familiar with, you know, gun handling skills or semi-automatic rifles or so many other things that we use when she looked at this PRS type shooting prior, before it was even the PRS, the bolt action rifle and shooting small targets, you know, at a, relatively good distance really excited her so it was cool to get her into it is would you say that is it um fair to say that prs is have stemmed from tactical matches i mean is it would you consider it a tactical match i you i kind of do um one thing that i like i tell people who really don't know what prs is and, and i hate to say it's sniper rifle competition because there are very few snipers shooting this. I mean, we know a couple of guys that are police snipers or military snipers that do actually compete in the PRS system, but the rest of us are not snipers. But that's really the easiest way to describe what we do to somebody who doesn't know. Well, I think if you take a look at the last match you were at, the name of it, the Bushnell Brawl, (laughs) (laughs) gives you an indication for what goes on there. And I think, Regina, you placed third, and Tim, you placed tenth, right? Correct. Yeah. right. Um, I wanted to, uh, first of all, congratulate you both. My understanding is that Strategic Armory Corps, or SAC, has picked you both up, uh, and they're sponsoring you. And uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Strategic Armory Corps uh, runs Armalite and uh, Macmillan Rifle and Surgeon, as well as AWC silencers and, and neck or suppressors and Nexus ammunition. Uh, that, that's a pretty great sponsor. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, um, I've been using the Surgeon Rifles for the last couple of years. I really enjoy them. They're, they're a very smooth action. Uh, I've just had a good time with them, and I've always wanted to be on their team because they have a very professional team, um, good people. They've always been outstanding to watch them shoot, and it was just one of those goals that you have. It's like, oh, I want to be like this guy, you know, that kind of stuff. And we, when we were offered the position. It's just it was too hard to turn down. Um, so we have surgeon rifles now that we shoot in competitions, and of course McMillan stocks, and a few other uh, companies that we shoot for. And it's just they're just all good people. We we don't use stuff that we don't believe in. I was going to say Regina's uh, uh, stock is definitely unique. Yes. Uh, can, can you picture it for us? Give us a description. Well, I've got a good friend out of New Mexico named Wes Roland, and he does a lot of paint jobs on Jay Allen stocks, and he's also a lefty, as as am I. So. When I got my first Macmillan stock, I asked him if he could do an American flag theme to it. I said, I want Wonder Woman, since that's my favorite superhero. It's pretty well known these days. And I said, but I don't want Linda Carter 80s Wonder Woman. I don't want primary colors. I want Gal Gadot Wonder Woman, the new one. And so it looks weathered is the best way to put it. Uh, I love it. It gets a lot of compliments. It looks better in person than it does in pictures. In pictures, it looks phenomenal. Yeah. So you're talking about a Macmillan stock here. What uh, version of the uh, stock is it? I have an A35. 
Okay, but there's something special about this stock, and it has to do with um, you and how you want to shoot and how you want to be able to shoot. Um, something I, I know that, that your trip down to the studio, which happens to be my office, which is at the plant, um, <laughs> was twofold. Uh, Tim's got two stocks here ready to, to take home with him. Yours is not quite ready because we're having to do some customizing. What have you done to that stock that makes it unique to you, and what, did, what does that change in it allow you to do? I had the palm swell built up about three-quarters of an inch to an inch so I could have a straight 90-degree trigger press. So every time I pull the trigger, my finger's in the same spot, and my hand doesn't cramp. So the only part that I'm moving on my hand is my trigger finger. Before, I used to have to press my fingers into the... Front part of the, the palm swell. The palm swell. Yeah. And it was starting to make my hands cramp, so I, couldn't, I wasn't consistent shot to shot. Now I am. So you've really actually just moved the, the pistol grip forward right. so that uh, you're closer to the trigger. Now, rather than do that, because we wanted to be able to offer you a stock that, that has a, a molded-in color, something that you had asked for, uh, once you have to start adding things to the stock on the outside of it, that changes that. It makes it much difficult, more difficult to, to get a finished product look. And since you painted yours, it was fine. Mm-hmm. But uh, the one that we're doing for you, we're actually moving the inlet back three-quarters of an inch to basically accommodate the same need for you mm-hmm. and and we're doing that that's one of the things that we're capable of doing because of the way we manufacture stocks is we can adjust the inletting i know david tubb always had his inletted a half inch farther forward so that he was just touching the trigger with the tip of his finger he felt he had the most feeling right at the very tip of his index finger and that's what what he wanted to use to to pull the trigger um Everybody's different. You have different ideas about why you want to shoot the way you do, and we try to accommodate all of uh, our shooters the best we can. Um, what are the stocks that you're picking up, Tim? Uh, I have the uh, the A5s. Okay. And it's just, uh, I, I like the A5 because it's got the adjustable cheek piece. It's got a wider bottom part um, on the forend that where I have to rest on a barricade or, or some other type of prop. And I just like the feel of the A5s. You know, that's that's really, I'm glad that you said that because... Uh, the A35 has been really popular uh, with the PRS shooters. They like the square forend, the vertical sides. To so if they're shooting off the side of a barricade, uh, it gives them a flatter place to to um, rest the rifle and is a little more consistent. Um, something that we talked about, Regina, when when you picked uh, that stock for yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I like it because it's thinner in my, the forend's thinner in my hand. Yeah, but the nice thing about McMillan is we make you know, hundreds of stocks and, and you get to pick just about anything you want that, that suits the way you shoot and, and what you're looking for. Uh, the A5, obviously, and, and you've, you've probably heard me say, is is the most popular stock that we've ever made. We, we make, you know, 20 of them a day uh, and we can't keep up with the orders. So, uh, Tim, you're right in there with the mainstream and uh, Regina's not so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's special. Well, we're a needy <laughs> bunch. Yeah. <laughs> well, shooters. Um, I, I want to help you to be able to shoot better and and to perform better and to win more matches. I mean that's I mean I really love working with competitors that really care about what they're doing, put the the time behind the trigger in to be able to accomplish what they're they're trying to do. Uh, and I know that some people just want to shoot PRS for fun, and they probably don't shoot a third of the amount that you guys do when you're not competing, but. They don't expect to, to win. They just want to get better every time they go shooting. And that's a good thing for, for people. You have to have all kinds of competitors. If you were just getting the guys who expected to win the match, you might have five or six guys show up at the matches, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Because if, if, if everybody that didn't expect to win didn't show up, it, you wouldn't be able to fill the card. Absolutely. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So um, you're going to shoot in a full... Uh, schedule of matches this year. Tell me some of the matches that you're going to be at. Well, the next one we have is going to be the Idaho it's match. The Shamrock something. It's the, the inaugural National Rifle League match. So the National Rifle League's new. It's kind of the upstart of the Precision Rifle Series, I guess. They're, most of their matches are based on the West Coast. So to stay competitive, we're going to shoot both. So I have no problem being a top lady in both series. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so this match I'm is held. Sure by, this, this match is held by the the Idaho Precision Rifle Shooters, which is actually held in Oregon, <laughs> but, which we kind 
we joke about that every time. And then after that, we've got a match in New Mexico. Uh, we've got another one in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, KM over Memorial Day weekend, we signed up for that match. That's a really fun match. Fast paced. The targets are generous. If you miss the target, it's because of your trigger press or your breathing. Some One of your fundamentals dropped off. Right. He, the guys that put on our matches are almost all shooters themselves. So um, normally the stages that they put out there are ones that they'd want to shoot. So we keep a big box of matchbooks. Every matchbook for every match we've ever shot, we've got. So I'm... I'm kind of geek that way. I'd study the matchbooks before we go to a match. So he's had this this stage in this match every single year. So we'll train for that one. And this stage over here, he's probably going to have that because that's the new latest and greatest. Um, he says I'm way more organized than him. But. Now, I know that they, they don't allow shooters to come in early and they don't mm-hmm. set up their courses and they're not allowed to shoot the course. And nope. um, But I know in the... Uh, in the last championship that you were at, there were some people who uh, placed really well that happened to have access to the range for a, a number of days ahead of time. And though the, they weren't shooting the exact course, getting to know the conditions and, and the wind and, and being in a specific place and getting to shoot there a lot probably gives you an advantage. It, it does. If you can start to figure out the winds and the terrain and whatnot for a specific area prior to going to that match, you'll have a little bit of a heads up. Well, I guess that, I mean, that for every match there is across the country, there's some club that is local there. And if the local guys get to shoot it, if you're lucky enough to get squatted with them, you can get a lot of intel from them on what areas have different winds and shooting with the NorCal guys at their club. That's the match that I won last April. Um, shooting with the NorCal guys, they'll tell you that at between 600 and 800 yards, the wind changes 100%. So you have to start watching different things. So I like shooting with the local guys. can always get good intel from them. Yeah, unfortunately, that's just luck of the draw, and you don't get a chance yeah. to say, I want to shoot with these guys. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, I know that almost everybody would want to shoot with you, Regina, and, and uh, I don't want to diminish your skills at all, Tim. Uh, great shooter in your own right, uh, very competitive. Um, I, I think just from getting to know both of you, I think, Regina, uh, I think it might be more important for her to be um, at the top of the podium, and you know, sometimes that translates into to that kind of uh, passion for something that uh, is that that little bit extra that it takes to be the the number one. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. I like I like her having her glory and her fame. I'm just a good trainer. That's what I'll accomplish. It. You know, that's my accomplishments for it. Yeah, I think you're in love too. So that's that's a cool thing. <laughs> you know, I know exactly how how it is to to be in love with somebody and have them not only uh, spend your your fun time. I, I'm lucky enough to to get to work with my wife, and and we love the fact that we get to spend almost all of our waking time together, and that's really cool. I, it is. Uh, now that's not something I would have said you know 20 years ago, but <laughs> it, it works really well for us today. And and I know I see you guys together. Um, I can tell that you have that same kind of relationship. We do, and and it's it's. I mean, a lot of people can see that. Okay, guys, I'm sorry. We're out of time. Uh, I'm going to have you guys back. We're going to talk about uh, some more PRS stuff and how you do in your matches. Um, we run out of time, and, and thanks for being here with us. Oh, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Thank you for tuning in to Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Be sure to come back for more next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The weekend is here. Enjoy yourself. We'll talk again next week.